Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. And uh, today we're just going to do something um, old and new, which is uh, we're going to do these little minisodes where we're just going to kind of catch up on stuff that we've been watching to, listening to and playing and just give it a general overview on yeah what we've been doing the last week or so, um, rather than uh, putting this all onto our big episodes on Sunday, uh, where we realised that uh, perhaps we're kind of going on a bit too much on these different tangents, <laughs> rather than the subject at hand. So basically, this is kind of like a um, dumpster full of all the shit that's kind of in our, the front of our brains at the moment, which will leave our main episode um, dedicated solely to the subject at hand. It's uh, a soil so, stack of culture that we're rolling in like a couple of sweaty pigs. Exactly. Getting literally shit all over us and in my eyes and ears and mouth <laughs> and arsehole. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so Dan, why don't, why don't you kick us off? What, what have you been doing this week? Um, I saw a Japanese film called Massacre Gun. Um, God, that I've came not out heard in of that, but it sounds amazing. It's cool, isn't it? I mean, that just the title is brilliant. I don't know what the title is in Japanese. I don't know if that's like a bit of a, someone's taken a liability with the translation. Um, so is it, I was going to say, so I would normally think that it might be like a gun massacre. Like yeah. Someone's done a massacre with a gun, but this is the massacre, <laughs> a massacre gun. As yeah. in like, it's the object <laughs> of which has this name. And I spent um, the whole film kind of going, is that going to be the massacre gun? Is that the massacre gun? <laughs> <laughs> um, Were you uh, pleased or was it a huge disappointment? No, it was really good. It was like this um, really, really heavily sort of stylized um, black and white, kind of like very Western influenced, um, kind of like gangster film. Um, so it was really, and it was very, very, very cool. It, you know, it looked like something from the height of the 60s and these guys basically it's like a couple of guys break away from like the main gang mm-hmm. um and then have to kind of like basically take over and go to war with them um but they own a club and one of the things that's quite interesting is like you see these like western dancers in the club like you know in like american or british films where there's like a club and then there might be some like asian girls dancing on a podium there's yeah. all these like rich Japanese people around like watching all these like white people uh, yeah. stripping and doing these weird dances and things. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was really cool. And um, just like nice to kind of sample 
a bit of Japanese 60s film, really. I hadn't seen anything like it before. That's a good one. Is it worth putting on the list? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? I think the list like is it. infinite. I don't, I don't, but just it being 60s and Japanese sounds good to me. I think you'd like it. Um, you nice. seen any films this week? God, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen a lot. So, um, film wise, <laughs> I'll start with a, a, a kind of smaller one, which is um, The Power of Grayskull which is oh. a documentary on He-Man and how it um, began, basically. Uh, they that did something similar. bloody amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was on, it's on Netflix, I think. And they did one, I think it was on Netflix, as in this was definitely on Netflix, but there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one, um, which I think was also on Netflix, which is quite interesting. Um, but this He-Man one is really great because it's like, obviously got all the toys and shit that, you know, that we're oh, used to with. Oh my God, I would love that. But, um, yeah, just like the whole creative process of it all and She-Ra and all that. And it was, um, it's stuff like, you know how he, he basically wasn't allowed to kill anyone with his sword because it's, yeah. it's all like based on Conan shit and all this. But obviously it's a kid's TV <laughs> series, so they couldn't actually have any bloodshed or whatever. Um, and the only reason they put it on a TV or whatever, one of the uh, stipulations was that they had to have those weird like, um, message PDA messages, whatever they're called, yeah. uh, PSA, sorry, uh, messages yeah. um, at the end, like don't go suddenly off with strangers. He like, was <laughs> like, look both ways across the road, or something, yeah. even though he lives <laughs> in a fucking castle. Um, in this episode, Skeletor didn't look <laughs> when he crossed the road. <laughs> yeah. It's literally what it is, yeah. and uh, yeah, so all that stuff was quite interesting, but also just like talking to the people behind it and how. Um, even though it's called He-Man, like the first few uh, episodes, I believe, were like um, the first season, I should say, was directed by a woman, which was, you know, apparently quite astounding at that time, especially with a series called He-Man. And yeah, just like the whole thing, I was watching it going, it's amazing that it took off, um, really. Uh, But I like it. It's Conan for kids, basically. Um, Who's your favourite character? Well, I always liked, because um, they, they talked about it in the show, and I always remember thinking, uh, yeah, that's actually, um, he was actually quite cool. Was the, he's always not cool, was the one who was basically like a square, he, Hammerhead or something he was fucking called. Um, I can't remember that. Ram Man. Uh, Ram Man, that was it, yeah. Ram Man. Um, oh yeah, because it's all man, thingy man. Um yeah, which uh, I don't know if he was my favourite character, but um, one of the interesting things they bring up is that his, like, all the models have basically used the same muscle um, cast, as it were. Yeah. Um, but with him, he was actually, like, one of the different ones that had to be, like, actually designed or whatever. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't like him because he hasn't got the same level of articulation as the other figures. But I think, I remember having him and he's so cool. Yeah, he just looks... Oh, yeah, I don't know what it is, really. I think the fact that he just looks different is and enough. He's, well, he's, that he's kind of like, he's basically a big spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You push the thing on his back and he just goes, Poof. Yeah. Um, but they talk about the film as well, which is good. They have a chat with Dolph Lundgren and uh, what's his name? Alan Arkin. Um, is that yes, yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was quite interesting. But that's for people like of you and these <laughs> generations. Um, I'd like to watch that film again. Yeah, I would. We should do. Uh, yeah, I tell you what. One of the things I want to do is go through the Orion um, library, basically of films, um, because yeah, I mean, like some of the stories that come out of um, uh, that He-Man shoot is just ridiculous. Like people like fainting in the costumes, and the way that like <laughs> you know they were trying to like cut costs all the time. Um, it's all really interesting. They do kind of talk about that in the actual documentary as well. But there's a book, which I need to... I think I started reading it ages ago and I had it on a fucking Kindle and then I don't really use a Kindle anymore. Um, but it's about the history of Orion books. Um, sorry, a book on the history of Orion pictures. Yeah. Um, and how that came about. And it's super interesting how this fucking ham-fisted studio made all these like cult classics for like a penny. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's good. So it's worth um, uh, digging that out maybe and doing a whole thing. On we could do a whole episode on Orion, I guess, but um, yeah, anyway, that was good. Um, yeah, I think you'd like that. 
uh, I saw, funny enough, because you talked about this the other day, um, you said you saw Rebecca, right? The Hitchcock one. Yeah, quite recently. Yeah, so they've remade it and um, on Netflix again. And Ben Wheatley is the director. Now, I, do, I don't know, do you like Ben Wheatley? Do you know this, his work at all? Uh, Not really. I only know the name. What's, what's he done? So he did, he did, his first film was a film called Down, I think it's called Down Terrace, which was like a kitchen soap gangster comedy drama. Kitchen soap, you know what I mean? Kitchen sink, sorry. Okay. Fuck it, you know what I mean? So it sounds a bit shit, right? Sketchy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's got some like ex-EastEnders like type actors in it or whatever. Uh, Okay. Um, But it's quite interesting in the fact that it's like a very, very normal British household, but like they're like organised criminals, (laughs) whatever. They're like some weird mafia. So um, it's all very like British but dealing with these like kind of like good fella type, you know, scenarios or whatever. And that's quite interesting, but it's mostly filmed in the house and it's mostly filmed quite close and quite cheap, basically. And that was good. So that was like, um, I had I remember hearing a lot about it at the time. And when I saw it, I was like, it's all right. Like that was better than what I thought it would be. Um, but it wasn't like amazing. Then he followed it up with one of my favourite do I want to say one of my favourite horror films ever? Definitely one of my favourite British horror films, which was Kill List. Did you ever see that? No, I've never heard of it. Fuck. Right, that's going on our list, actually, definitely. <laughs> so Kill List, um, you'll recognise a lot of the people. It's got like Michael Smiley and I think it's his name. Um, and some other people from like, you know, you'll see on like Channel 4 or whatever. Um, but essentially it's about uh, the, this guy who is a hitman, basically. Again, very British, like, is in, like, British setting, British family, whatever. And he's, like, ex-army. And every now and then he does these hits on people. Um, And he's, like, whatever. But there's a weird, like, cult horror undertone to it. So as they're going around killing these people, literally the kill list Mm. that they've been sketched out, they're, they're all, like, doing weird things and, like, talking weirdly and, like, you know, they're like smashing their faces in and they're like saying strange stuff and it all like builds up into these like weird fuck off scenarios. So people who liked the audio drama and New Winter, which is now available, New Winter Limited Series, which you can go to newwinter.net to check out. If you <laughs> want to do, it's a whole separate feed and you can listen to the whole thing. There's certain elements of Kill List which found its way into that series. Um, and I really like it. It's got one of those like kind of endings that is really unsatisfying to like Mr. Joe cinema, but I really loved, like I thought it was a horrible ending that explained absolutely nothing. And I loved it. Um, Anyway, so he did that. Then he did um, a field in England. I've seen that. that. I've seen that. Very slow, very wanky arty, I would say, but some really genuinely like good bits, but it didn't really resonate me the way I had it overhyped right because of Kill List um so he did that and then I think he did something else in between I can't remember but he he did High Rise with um Tom Hiddleston uh which was based on the I think it's J.G. Ballard book um and essentially this weird like dystopia where they all live in a high rise and um he and each level has its own different social class whatever etc etc blah blah and that was okay but i thought it was a bit wanky um so this is as far as i know his next film he's probably he might have done some others in between that i'm forgetting uh which is rebecca um based on uh it was a book i uh, wasn't it um originally i've not read the book i've only seen the hitchcock version which you saw daphne daphne de Maurier. that's right yep and um so this might be closer to the book but the Hitchcock version is definitely a million times better. So they've kind of taken out, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you saw this recently and I haven't seen it in ages. I remember Rebecca being like, the idea that she's like, like Rebecca herself is like a ghost or that she's kind of present in some way in the house and you're not really sure yeah. in what way. Yeah, exactly. And also like the housekeeper is kind of bad but then you realize she's good or something like that and whatever and all this stuff kind of plays out right um without giving too much away 
Yeah, that's basically the tension is those two things. You're like, either the housekeeper has done something, she's mm-hmm. a, she's a murderess, or there's a ghost. Right. Okay. So, so yeah. So imagine all that cool Hitchcock tension and just remove it. Yeah. <laughs> just get rid of it. <laughs> so, so you basically with this got like one, what kind of procedural uh, period drama. Yes, it's exactly what it was. That's literally exactly what it was. So it looked nice, that nice setting. They had a whole the whole bit in Monte Carlo, whatever, which I don't remember. I think was maybe, I might be completely wrong, it was like Monte 15 Carlo. minutes, if there was at all, in the actual film, like where they actually met, where this guy meets his new wife. Or maybe they don't even put it in the film, I can't remember, in the original film. But in this one, that's oh, like, it's a good, like, that, yes. it's a good, like, um, I want to say 40 minutes or something in the actual Blimey. this remake and it's all very like it's a lot of money it's clearly gone into it and then you and then you're suddenly like oh okay and, and i'm waiting for like a bit of the tension or something but it's just not there and then you realize yeah it's just a period drama it's like oh and, like, yeah, and i was waiting for like the twist or like waiting for like and it's like oh it doesn't really happen and then it ends and i was like oh that's weird i thought it'd be more of like a surreal horror take on it because of Ben Wheatley and I was just thinking why have they chose Ben Wheatley <laughs> like <laughs> such a weird choice for like something like what is essentially like a Downton Abbey of <laughs> like, I don't know of some mystery like crime thing I guess I don't know um, sounds a bit uh, a bit, sounds a bit drab yeah it was a bit it was a bit drab um, but yeah like whatever I wasn't bored but it was you know bit boring um, any other films yeah I saw the new Borat movie did you see that, see that? I saw it's come out subsequent movie film um, and it was a bit disappointing I think what's weird is that because they do these like, um, like hidden camera pranks or whatever you want to call them because they were everywhere at like what the late well I suppose the early noughties um, yeah Jackass era and all that, and, and the original like Borat shit as well. Yeah. Um, it feels really dated when you're watching it, and you're like, "Oh, okay, we're doing this again." Well, I thought, I thought okay. it's, it's, it's not just the, you know, it's not the zeitgeist anymore. You know? No, you've seen that like, all. Things have moved on. Yeah, and also it's like, but he's not really saying anything new, and I know it's because like it's Trump and all this, but it's like the pranks. A very, very like it always felt like the the first movie at least or whatever. The story was written around the pranks. They had these ideas for these big, elaborate, stupid pranks or whatever, and the story was kind of written around it. And it didn't really matter about the story, like whatever. Yeah. It's just something to tie all together. Yeah. Whereas this is like super story heavy, and huh, okay. the pranks are like it feels like the pranks are there to work into the story, which in theory from like you know, a structure point of view should be better, but it just is quite lame and boring. And there's that whole bit with Rudy Giuliani, whatever his name is, the new oh, yeah. who's, um, Trump's lawyer. Um, and the whole thing of him like touching his dick or whatever during the filming of it. And yeah, when you watch it, it's such an anti-climax because basically like they talk, there's an interview in the hotel room. Borat comes up, pretending to be a sound guy and then they have a bit of a, disagreement whatever it's not an argument or whatever but him and the daughter the work girl who plays his daughter and then anyway the daughter's like oh okay well let's like pause it there let's just let's go into the other room and just like have a drink or whatever and he's like okay cool so firstly people might think that's weird but it's not weird because they've got the interview in a hotel room which does happen and happens a lot when yeah. you're doing interviews and obviously you've got the set which you can't touch or move in so you go to the bedroom bit which is like the next comfy, <laughs> comfy room. Like, where are you going to go? Like the fucking bathroom. And anyway, she's like, oh, let me help you take your mic off. And he's like, okay. So he sits there and she's like trying to help him. And he's like, thank you. Whatever, he just taps her like on the side. Like, yeah. don't think, it's like, it's made it look sexual, but I don't think it is. And then anyway, he like leans back to, um, and he said, I was tucking my shirt in and it's all like, oh, I don't know, is he? And I was thinking, I'll wait till I watch it. And it literally, he's just tucking his shirt in. That's what so I people, when I when I saw that, that like, I when thought, you're doing sorry, go on. I just thought this sounds so desperate. You know, desperate, desperate to for any little nugget to uh, yeah, 
get caught some splash, get some hype like, on get people watching it. Exactly. Oh, honestly. Um, and for people that don't know, like when you run, when you're mic'd up like that, you have to run it up your shirt. You have to run the lead up your shirt so it clips on like wherever, uh, near, near your face, basically. So you would be pulling, when you take the mic off, yeah, you normally just pull it out from under your shirt or whatever. So yeah, the fact that he's like not standing up to tuck his shirt and he's just leaning back to do it because he's fucking like a million years old. Um, I think it's kind of like bad taste and not in a way that's kind of a political commentary or something like that. But they're like trying to like catch him out. And if they wanted to do that, then go further with it. Like yeah. they just kind of stop it. And it's like, well, nothing's happened. And they've tried to make something out of it. And I'm just like, I don't know. It just felt like weird. I was watching it going, this feels desperate. Like whereas yeah. the first Borat movie, it was like, okay, this works because Americans, um, he's taking the piss out of America basically and, the, and how people view the American stereotype basically of being like a racist, gun-toting, um, right-wing, um, you know, whatever, and playing up to that side that, you know, kind of does come across the oceans to us here in other countries, especially England. Um, and kind of like, yeah, just fulfilling that stereotype a little bit, but also like at the same time, there's like a sweetness about it because he does kind of take the mick out of, um, in terms of the original Borat stuff, take the mick out of like hospitality and like the general, um, way that Americans like, uh, you know, do try and be like polite or whatever. They're a Christian nation or whatever and have those values or whatever, even though he kind of takes a piss out of that as well. And all this stuff, like whatever, I don't know, something different. but this time around it just felt like he's just like poking the fire for the sake of it. And it's not actually anything particularly funny. Like I don't think the jokes were um, there basically as much as they were in the first film at least. So the other film I watched talking about Sasha Baron Cohen was um, the Chicago Seven, the trial of the Chicago Seven or whatever on Netflix. Again, okay. it's about um, the Vietnam War and how they tried to like prosecute these seven anti-war demonstrators um, together as a conspiracy to incite violence in Chicago. Um, I know nothing of it. I didn't know anything about going in. Um, it's directed and written by Aaron Sorkin. I do like Aaron Sorkin but not a good director, if you ask me. I thought some of the scenes weren't, I didn't know like what was happening or what they were about. Wasn't really f- that familiar with the characters. I thought the way the scenes were structured wasn't great. And I thought some of the musical choices were dreadful and <laughs> just completely <laughs> lost. And some of the shots were, because it's like a bit of a courtroom drama. And it's got a lot of people in it as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was just so close to being cheesy and looking like a late nineties political courtroom drama. Um, a few good men, exactly, which he wrote. So um, you know, <laughs> it, it felt very close to that, which was a little bit dated, if you ask me. Um, but it was alright, and it was good for someone who just doesn't didn't know about any of this. I don't know how true any of it is either. Oh, you mean um, you? What? <laughs> When you, when you said, it's good for someone who doesn't know anything about anything. Yeah, yeah, do you mean me. the writer and director? Yeah. Or, or do you mean you as the audience? Yeah, both. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> no, Aaron Sorkin does know about writing, but um, yeah, directing, I'd uh, probably leave it for him to get someone else to do it. Um, I watched a couple of episodes of Shit's Creek. Have you seen that? No, what's that? It's a comedy thing by, um, what's his name, Evan... Oh, God, the fuck's his name? It's the dad in uh, American Pie. Uh, He's been loads of stuff. He's in a lot of um, the comedies by the Spinal Tap guy. Yeah. Christopher Guest, a lot of Christopher Guest films. Go on. It's, is it it's, Eugene something? Yeah, Eugene Levy. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yes, that's, that's it. the one. What did I say? Ewan or something? Uh, Evan. Evan, that was it, yeah. Eugene Levy and his son... Um, and it's basically about this rich family that get all their shit taken away and they have to live in this poor town. I've only watched the first two episodes and uh, I thought it was right. Um, it won like a bunch of Emmys in the last one. I think it's done now after six series. Um, so I'd like to watch that. Hmm. It's um, a prom- promising setup and uh, I like him. So 
Yeah, it was good. It's not like great. I think it's still finding its feet where I am at the moment with it. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, well, I've been watching Unsolved Mysteries, which I love on Netflix again, which is, um, it's a bit annoying really. On, on My wife is like, why do you watch this? Because <clears throat> obviously the premise of the whole thing is that, you know, they're unsolved. So the, you know, you watch this whole build up and they go into all these forensic stuff and all these details and it's like, but we don't know. Like, uh, we don't know who killed them or we don't know where they've gone or disappeared to. And then it ends. She's like, why do you watch the most unsatisfying series <laughs> ever? And I'm just like, I don't know. It's just like the idea that it's like no one can figure it out. Um, I find quite appealing, but I know that's weird. Um, I also watched uh, it's a series called Song Exploder, which is based on the podcast series. Um, okay. There's been, there's basically like four or five episodes on. I had, I can't remember who else was on it, but the only one I watched was REM going over, um, oh my God. I can't remember. Losing My Religion. Yes. Sorry. Losing My Religion. Um, and it's like a half hour doc basically where they go through the song, how it's put together, how it's made, where it came from, what they think about it Mm. now and all this. And actually that one in particular um, because it's so ingrained in my brain. If you remember, it's all over MTV at like the time when you and me and everyone else of our age were like watching MTV all the time. Yeah. Um, and it is a really great video. Um, it's a great song, yeah. but it's just really interesting how it came about and how it's basically like they, just the idea that they were like, they wanted to make an anti-REM album. They wanted to be like, we want to do something which people just aren't expecting. And they did. And then they wanted to release um, like Shiny Happy People, I think is the first single off it. Yeah. And uh, they were like, no, you're releasing Losing My Religion. And they were like, what? This like weird song with a fucking mandolin. Um, and they were like, no, this is the song we like best. We want to kind of open out on this. And obviously it fucking ignited the world. It's so strange, you know, because they now... <clears throat> Sort of disown that song, Shiny Happy People. Yeah. And they always say, oh, we don't like it. And um, and I don't understand because it's a great pop song. It is a great and pop song. It's something they're ashamed of. And at some point, I think, well, they must have really liked it to have recorded it and released it as a single. So that's quite interesting yeah. that then you say they wanted that as the first single at that point. Yeah. Sorry. When I say they wanted the first, sorry. When I say they, I meant like the label. The label wanted to release Shiny uh, Happy People. Um, that's who they are um, and the bad right now. Uh, but Shiny Happy People yeah they do they talk about it how they think it's so fucking weird that Losing My Religion and Shiny Happy People are on the same record and, and um, that bloody um, radio song radio song you know that yeah that was another single completely different to both of those two it is a weird it's a mishmash that album Out of Time yeah you're talking about right yeah it's a, it is a weird mishmash that lots of Which different I think styles they, I think they named because they literally ran out of time to yeah. <laughs> think of a thing. Like um, but uh, yeah, and I, I still like Shiny Happy People in a sense of, I get it from an ironic sense. I also get it from just a pop sensibility sense. And I think the fact that it works on both those levels um, is actually really good. I like the fact that it's this big, bright video with it as well, which kind of makes it... Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I I can see why they're a bit like, ugh, like whatever. Like, I think for them, they've probably thought that the irony has been lost and now they just think, and now people don't, or maybe it wasn't ironic. I don't, I don't actually know, but like I presumed it was. And, yeah. um, and then like now people are just like, think <laughs> like as if like that was who they were rather than like, we're like serious musicians or whatever. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's all, yeah, it's it- all a bit different now. What's sad though is that there is some serious musicianship going on in the in the song. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great as well. I don't, I don't know why they get such a why they get so grumpy about it. <laughs> no, well, neither do I. Um, yeah, and I've uh, been uh, so the Mets. Um, I saw that virtual Mets gig as well, uh, which is good. good actually. Yeah, um, I didn't realize what they'd done is they did it live, and then this was like an edited live gig that they streamed out at certain times and I was like it's a bit weird because then I could have just watched it whenever like they weren't performing there and then like they could have just had this we've recorded this thing and mm. you can just download this I know they're trying to make it into an event which I get but I was just like 
I've kind of had to make plans around this. <laughs> like, I don't have to because it's a pre-recorded thing. Um, but still, it was good. And um, yeah, like watching uh, Hayden like do his drumming and stuff was just like, especially on some of those songs. Because I do, do genuinely really like that album, um, the new one, uh, Atlas Vending, whatever. And that yeah. last track, um, that last track when I was listening to it, and Tess um, agreed to me as well, I was like, this sounds like a pistol gang like jam that I would have <laughs> really like loved. Um, and yeah, and I still stick by that. It still sounds, um, it's a really good song to end on. Then, yeah, the credits came up and then it said like a uh, wet blanket and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, they didn't fucking play those songs. Like, why is it, why have they put it on? And then all of a sudden after the credits, obviously it came back on and they did a couple of, they did wet blanket and something else. Um, whoop, whoop. No, that's all I want to hear from them. <laughs> no, negative space and wet blanket, um, both crackers. Uh, but yeah, it was good. And um, off the back of that, uh, I saw that he used a freeze pedal, uh, electronic freeze pedal. I actually bought one about hundred quid. Um, mm. And what it does is it like when you push it, it kind of keeps a note, so it's not like a loop. It will just hold. It's like a sustain or something, basically it'll kind of hold whatever you're playing and then you can kind of play over the top. And as you know, yeah. like a lot of the stuff, like I try and tend to do anyway, though obviously with mild degrees of success, it's like a bit more layered because usually, you know, stuff that we've done as well as sells um, with my guitar, uh, me playing on top. Anyway, I bought one. So I've got it here. I haven't tried it out yet. Cool. Um, I'm interested in, yeah, seeing what that's like. Um, another thing as well is that I, I've, as I was saying, I got like this like package, which was going to send me like the vinyl, and a t-shirt and oh, yeah, all this yeah. stuff. They sent me a shitty email um, at the weekend going like, you haven't replied with your address to any of our texts and uh, messages. You've got um, until tomorrow um, to send it. So it's this weird like threat. This is dice.fm, by the way. And I emailed back going, I ha- like you've sent me it each time and I filled it in each time because I'm, think- I'm wondering if it's not actually going through. And I was like, you know, and, and I'd... Um, I'd only caught the email after like this fucking deadline and was like, yeah, so here's my address. If you need it, I, I've done everything I need to do for my end. Can you please send it out? What they, and then anyway, I got a reply back from someone going, yeah, I've entered it as well. Um, I'm a bit pissed off that actually I'm not BCC'd in, in any of this. And I realized what? The fuck, yeah, what had happened was the fuckers had done a group email to everyone who hadn't entered their address or whatever um, into the system or that had problems, which I obviously have done somehow. Um, and they hadn't like BCC'd um, uh, other people. So now I've just got, so now there's, I'm on this weird chain with other people who haven't put their addresses in, which is a complete violation of GDPR. Oh it's my God. Are, are, are people replying to it with their addresses? Yeah. Not with their addresses, but I but I've replied it with my address, so I've just replied all or whatever. You have, put, you have you've replied yeah, all. Put my address on. Oh my god, that's and really like, bad. Yeah, so now I'm like I have to sort this out um, because yeah, that's I have to so sent my sent my address around to people. Um, yeah, so annoyed. That's Dice FM guys. Fuck it. <laughs> Stupid idiots. Um, so yeah, and I'm still not getting my Met stuff. So I need to kind of ratchet that up a little bit because um, yeah, that was really yeah, bad. Um, um, yeah. That concert thing. Yeah, I, like for it to be an event. Like the only thing that I've really enjoyed of these kind of like live streaming Corona times um, that actually felt like an event. You know, where you had to be watching it in the moment was that um, that Nirvana thing by that that rapper guy. Yeah. Um well, I didn't I didn't actually watch it <laughs> at the time. Yeah. But when I rewatched it, I was like, oh this this feels like Post this Malone. feels like real, you know. Post mm. Malone, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um I was thinking about just that to do something day. a bit more kind of like fun and casual. Mm. You know? Yeah. The fact that he did like some kind of deep Nirvana cuts. Um well, well ish, like to be honest. Not that like, deep. No, he did, like, the, yeah, he did the hits or whatever. Yeah, right, true. But like a lot of songs are like stuff which just aren't, yeah, aren't the hits. They played for a while as well. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah, I really great. enjoyed that. I thought, it, I thought it was good. Yeah, I saw Idols, if you remember. That was all right, but it was a bit, um, 
weird, to be honest. I think they got a bit tired by the end of the last one, <laughs> three days in a row. Um, yeah, the worst um, thing I've seen was um, Ringo Starr's birthday bash. That was really weird. God. If you want to have a laugh, um, <laughs> from lockdown. for half an hour. Yeah, Ringo Starr's like lockdown birthday bash. Oh, God. It's really, really strange. Might Google that. Yeah. Um, Google that a bit later. Yeah. Um, and yeah, talking about music stuff as well, King Gizzard, as you saw, released um, Automation, which is a good track, actually. I quite liked it. Um, but the one special thing I was talking to you about was you can uh, put together the assets that they have sent around to make your own music video and also to yeah. remix the song. So um, I started this, Dan. I downloaded uh, the stems. Um, and so there's two two things here. One is that I've now started up a Le Gassique Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Le Gassique. If anyone it's got L-E-G-A-S-S-I-Q-U-E, I'll put a link in the um, so what's description. So that all about? Like people they go yeah, so, on and what, they pay you like a couple of coins or tokens? <laughs> you, you do things? For money. Um, would you go behind like a private paywall thing <laughs> no that's like what they call it only fans <laughs> or whatever um no this was uh basically um i thought because uh, as you know like i've been like i've not really done much music stuff so i was like well i'm gonna do it all live i'm gonna like create songs live basically um and i thought what better way than to start with this king gizzard remix and i basically spent an hour and a bit and um uh, annoyingly, the stems that they sent through King Gizzard, um, they've got bass, drums, and guitar as one track. So they've not split huh. that track out. So it's like, okay. That's funny. Yeah. So um, a lot of the um, percussion stuff and the vocals are on different tracks. Um, and there's guitars are on different tracks as well, but they've got the bounce down of the drums, bass, and guitar. So it's like, okay, well, there's. I can't really do much of that, basically, um, really. So basically, I've kind of, uh, the first hour ever I spent doing it, and you can look at it, you can go on now, anyone can. I've got it as a highlighted video, so you can go check it out. Um, it's me basically whittling down parts I think are useful. Samples, basically. Um, so I've got those, then the next step is to actually create a song around it. Cool. Um, so, yeah. What's your also, vision for the track? Don't know. Literally no idea. Um <laughs> which I think it's going to be interesting to do live on stream. <laughs> so I'm trying to decide if I thought, you know, I'll just show it kind of warts and all as well. And things won't work. Things will work. Um, anyway, see how it goes. And then as well, just to kind of mix it up a little bit, I've been playing a game on it called Harvester, which is yeah. an old like nineties. Um, it's kind of FMV basically um, game point and click adventure, but it's all like based in this like culty, weird Twin Peaks style town and apparently some of it gets really gory but it's all like that David Lynch like white picket fence thing with like these undertones of sex violence perversion and all this stuff um and it's been quite good I might do a bit after this actually if it's time um but yeah so I started doing more um I started that up basically doing these couple of streams twitching hmm. doing some twitching Le Gassique. um and Before we move uh, too far off the yes. subject of music, mm. shall I give you an update on what I've been listening to? Yes, why not? Please do. I um, revisited the soundtrack to the 1980 fantasy family film Xanadu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I don't know what that Basically, is. Basically, um, It's got Olivia Newton-John in, and she's like a fantasy woman from a from a painting that comes to life. and a cool world. There's this guy, yeah. It's, it's like there's this guy, and he works in a record shop, um, and he's really he's so unlikable, and that's the problem with the whole film, right. in my opinion. He's just really pissy and entitled. Anyway, um, I ended up I was watching it with a friend, um, with William, a few years ago, and he, he yeah. bought me the soundtrack on LP. It was kind of like a little bit of a joke. Right. Um, so I was looking at that and thinking, uh, kind of, I need to get rid of some records. And I was like, it's actually a really nice like sleeve and package and stuff. And it's got like lobby cards in there. Oh, and, right. um, so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do a video on it for my channel. Yeah. Um, and then I'll feel like I've captured it for posterity. Yeah. And, and then maybe Forever. I can sell it. But um, I hate the music. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to lie. Um, so yeah, so that I've, I've angered a lot of uh, Electric Light Orchestra and uh, Olivia Newton-John fans. Shit, so, have they been um, commenting? Well, I didn't realise there's so many out there. It's, it's one of my most popular videos now of all time. Oh my god! <laughs> it quite quickly got like quite a lot of views. And of course, because people are commenting and and disliking it, um, all of that counts as interactions, right? So it's probably getting a lot of uh, traction. So yeah, that's great. Bully on the bully for them, whatever. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's great it's true though like there's so, yeah, yeah. there's that there's um uh basically videos having negative sentiment or causing a scene as being argumentative or whatever perform better on youtube than positive ones um yeah so yeah good i wasn't trying to be controversial but yeah if you want to see some old sort of like boomer type people throwing their toys out the pram Yes. Olivia Newton-John fans, then um, <laughs> you can find them on the comments section of that video. Have they got uh, personal? Has anyone got personal about it? No. Like, no. Like, what, what, look, what might someone look say? Your, look at your beard, idiot. <laughs> Something like that. Get a haircut, MP. Yeah, I'm waiting for those. Right. <laughs> no, no one's, no one's been too bad. I've been, I've been very restrained in my responses as well. Okay. Um, Something I've been listening to that I enjoyed. Um, it's a band called Ort. Have you heard no. of them? No. This was a recommendation from William. Um, t- an album from 2014 called More Than Any Other Day. How bland does that sound? Um, <laughs> but it's actually really good. And I think you'd really like it. Oh, really? They sound kind to me... They, they've got like... To me, it just sounds like really classic, kind of like 80s... Um, like a little bit of post-hardcore, so like kind of like Fugazi-ish, but also like kind of like 80s kind of like indie rock sounds, you know, like oh, yeah. um, like Joy Division-y kind of like production sound um, and lots of hints of like different things that are really good, like a little bit of Velvet Underground sound in places, mm-hmm. um, a little bit like, uh, do you know Clinic? Yeah. Sometimes not, their lead singer sounds a little bit yeah. like Tom York. Yeah, I think so. There's like that sound, so just a lot of good stuff, really, in in a band that's got quite an authentic sound. I thought so. Mm. Um, I was quite excited about that. Something, yeah, yeah. Um, I also picked up a couple of LPs. I haven't listened to them yet, but just to show and prove that I do listen to your recommendations from our um, best of 2019 episode that we did. um, Oh, I saw this. You got um, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, I bought. Dive, Deceiver, yeah, yeah, yeah and nice. and Jason, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't J- well, I don't actually know how you say it, but yeah, Jason. Yeah, is it what's it called? An- Anakko or something? I can't yeah, remember. I can't. I can't remember the specific title of it actually. But um, yeah, both of which are absolutely cracking albums. I bet that's. I bet that actually come in some nice packaging and all this stuff as well. Yeah, haven't opened them up yet. The Deceiver is like some sort of grey and white splatter and the JSON's some nice like 
peach and lemon or something. <laughs> That's good. Nice and colourful. Yeah, I should go back and listen to Jay Summer actually thinking about it. Because, um, yeah, that, that album really was super fucking... It really felt like... And I know it's kind of like summer's over. We're basically in winter now, whatever, even interval, whatever it is. But um, yeah, just to kind of get a bit more of that nice summery haze back in my life. Yeah. Um, I should go back and revisit it. Um, yeah. Cracking, cracking purchases there. It was Dan's birthday. Um, birthday, Dan. That's yeah. I didn't, I didn't get other- those. I didn't get him anything. But, um. <laughs> One of the other birthday records uh, that I have been listening to a lot was Kariki. It came out earlier yeah. this year. So Kariki. it's um, Kariki. Kariki. God knows what it what it means, or I think it's a pretty bad name for a band, frankly. Um, it's Ian Mackay of Minor Threat and Fugazi, um, yeah. with his wife Amy Farina, right. and they've been they've been performing and recording as the Evens for the last ten years or so, and they they did three albums as the Evens that I really really like. Mm. I don't know. If, have you heard any Evens? No. None. It's it's quite it's like laid back post hardcore. Okay. Um it's just guitar and drums. Um and Ian kind of like sings more than shouts and she's doing nice backing vocals and things. Um mm. it's just it's top top notch. <laughs> top notch. Okay. Class A. Um check out. It's released this year, you said. So this year, what they've done, well, they've been playing with Joe Lally, who was the bassist in Fugazi. Right. So it's basically the evens with a bassist. Um, okay. But for some reason, they've felt that's enough to justify uh, calling themselves a new Holy band name, name, which is right. Kariki. So, um, Kariki. That's, I, I just think it's fantastic. It's just it's just quality, quality thrown through. Great songs, great performances, lovely warm production sound. Yeah, I guess we have to start thinking about our twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felt like we literally just did twenty nineteen. She's mad. Uh, What have you been listening to? Nothing. Other than uh, Matt's. (laughs) I tell you what, the other um, it's not on here. Maybe it's a list, but really randomly. and you're going to be like, what? Uh, it's the first Mystery Jets album. It's called like Making Dens or something. Which is really fucking like old. It's like 2000. Yeah, when's it from? Fucking, I don't know, 2003 or something. Something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, and maybe earlier. And I, I remember specifically, I remember seeing them on that tour. Um, so very early on. And they, we now have mutual friends in common. And all this is actually funny enough. But um and they were, I remember we went, me and my mate Ed, um, we went to this gig and we saw, it was in, I can't remember where it was, but it was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was London, but it's in like, it was in some shitty venue. And um, the first band were called Six Toes. And it was ah, two guys with night. acoustic guitars, really young. And um, they have a song called Siamese Soul, which but I think you can only hear it on YouTube. But to this day, it really, I really enjoyed it, and um, okay, I should I should dig that out and uh, listen to it again. But it made of impressions. We bought the CD, their EP or whatever, there at the gig. Six toes, um, six toes. I mean, they obviously went nowhere, but um, that one song was, was good. But you've, um, but you've got their EP or mystery somewhere, jets somewhere. Uh. Um, six toes. Yeah, the the band one of the support bands. The other support band was the Noisettes who had only recently been formed. And if you remember, it would have been about a year or two after that, they found some fame. I can't remember with, there's a specific song, but she was like, um, because uh, there were three pieces, she was a bassist and a black doing basically this like rocky noise thing. And she was very like fashion and cool. And they suddenly became like this cool band, um, there would be like on T4 a lot or something. Yeah, fucking <laughs> And all this. Um, and yeah. they did well. But, um, and yeah, Mystery Judge went on, went on to do really well. But um, if you remember, this is the time when, uh, I can't remember his name, Harrison or whatever, the main guy, um, his dad was obviously in the band still at this point. Um, so a lot uh, of the audience <laughs> were made up of um, like kids or whatever, or like young people like us, we weren't kids then. But um, 
and like a bit of an older crowd that were clearly like the dad's mates or something. I don't know. Who just fucking turned up. Um, but yeah, like his dad, it was him and his dad in the, in the, in the band, Blake, Blake, something, I think his name is the, the um, son, the main guy. Um, and I was listening to it going, this is genuinely like, I'm obviously looking back at it with most titty glasses and a bit of nostalgia, but I was like, these songs are fucking like good. Like the harmonies are really like on point and some of like just the melodies and like the way all the songs go and the kind of like, it had that whole, you know how people were obsessed with um, Mumford and Sons or whatever. Mm. And I hate Mumford and Sons, but they took like that kind of mystery jets thing of being like this, um, like British kind of like party atmosphere with loads of vocals going on at the same time. And there's loads of like percussion and it feels like a, like you've walked into like the middle of a, farm party of rich people mm. in some, and it feels yeah. a bit like that and they've kind of got that whereas Mumford and Sons are a bit shit <laughs> well very shit and they were like this they were like hot for like five minutes weren't they and then they just fucking disappeared yeah, yeah. Um, like Mystery Jets like did that and then moved on fairly quickly and if you remember they've done like a lot more like they kind of change your sound every now and then don't know well they, they I don't think I've ever there. heard anything it's really good like so they got they did like a whole kind of like really 80s, like pastel kind of 80s sound um, oh, nice. what, um, for one of their albums and really fucking great tracks. But then um, there was a couple of songs they did, I want to say like the late 2000s, which got to like fucking number one or used in adverts or something. Um, hmm. I think, what was it? Girl Next Door or something. And there was something else as well, another one. And people loved that, but it was already like, yeah, they've already been on the scene for a while. And then all of a sudden these like pop indie scenesters kind of came in and were like, oh, I know this song. It's really great. It's like, yeah, they're not new. They've had like four albums <laughs> or something by like this wow. point. Um, and yeah, they're still going. Should, they're, still, uh, they're still doing stuff. You should pick their best album and let's add it to the list. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that first album because it's quite eclectic. But I think there's definitely... Um, uh yeah i think it's definitely some choice picks but again like i haven't listened to them recently but um every time like i dip back into their catalog or see what they've been up to i'm always pleasantly surprised by what they do um i just think they're just quite a talented bunch to be honest um surprised they didn't make it like proper um but yeah it's good um uh, bless that's, that's their little souls to. Yeah. Little cotton socks. Little cotton socks. The only other stuff was um, kids' films. I saw a film called Two by Two Overboard, which was fine. Um, I quite enjoyed it, actually, compared to... I'd never heard of it before, and uh, animated computer thing that I watched with my daughter, which was good. And then on the other side, I watched Dogs and Cats United or something, which is dire. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Fell asleep. But there's, like, Nirvana reference. It's set in Seattle, and they've got, like, Nirvana T-shirts and posters and shit up on the wall. Oh, cool. They talk about grunge and whatever, but the film is just so bad. Awful. Um, and then game-wise, I played a bit more Doom Eternal, and I gave up, basically. I just couldn't be bothered. There's just too much platforming, and it's not a platform game, and it's very difficult. And I was just like, there's a point where I'm trying to, like, jump and use boosts and try and get around the like layout and I was like the first Doom and when I say the first Doom I mean the first new Doom that came out whether three or four years ago when it was mm. rebooted was just literally you're going around like a fucking space station you're shooting shit it's like fast it's like constant with this I'm like well, I'm faffing around jumping from platform to platform and timing the, I just got to a point nah. I was just like fuck this fuck this up when I hear Doom I just think all I want to be doing is strolling around sticking a chainsaw into big pink yeah. blobby monsters yeah exactly like and i'm spent i'm like spending more time doing these stupid platform puzzles and also they've tried to like expand it like you could do they've kind of added more like rpg kind of elements to it so i've just given it up so i've, I've turned it off i've deleted it from my hard drive it's done i can't be bothered to go any further <laughs> ouch <more>. yeah <laughs> um and that's a lot that takes a lot for me to say that i don't do that that often um and i started playing uh the batman telltale series called the enemy within which is the second series that telltale did and i think it was the last thing they did before telltale got shut down um and it's good it's the first series so if you don't know basically it's another batman universe but it's all um uh it's all like choice based <laughs> stuff um so the game 
changes depends depending on the decisions you make and the actions you take. I say it follows, and they've done, this is what Telltale do. The company that did this, where well, they shut down. As I said, but um, it has a general structure. But people might be alive or dead, and things might happen differently depending on the choices you make. Anyway, so the first series is pretty cool because it was like um, you go up against like the penguin, who's like your old mate from ages ago. It's kind of like the early days of Bruce Wayne. Um, and then there's like Lady Arkham, so they've got a new character in there who turns out to be. I won't spoil it, but it turns out to be someone uh, who you're like, oh, okay, that was cool. You've got Catwoman in the first series um, and all this. And it's, but they're all like a little bit different. And at one point, like Bruce Wayne gets put into like a mental asylum. And there he meets a guy called John Doe who looks suspiciously like Joker. And they become like pals. And um, so you're like, okay, this is really good. So it takes a really weird, it takes the Batman universe and like twists it. And like his dad. Okay. His dad is like um, like Thomas Wayne, whereas in all the other fucking, you know, Batman stuff, <clears throat> his dad's like this hero that he has to live up to. In this version, his dad was like the biggest criminal in Gotham. Okay. Um, huh. And that aspect of it was pretty cool. So the second series, the first episode of, of that, the five episodes of it, the second series, the first one I've just finished, and it was about the Riddler. Um, and also like the Joker kind of comes back a little bit and that was quite cool. Um, just doing like some of the riddle stuff, even though they're quite easy, but, um, they've started introducing Amanda Waller who turns, who's the person who kind of gets the suicide squad together in the DC universe. Um, yeah, they're kind of building out you and Joker's relationship more, which I'm like, that's quite interesting because they're doing it in quite an interesting way. Um, Alfred has like his own kind of story going on and I'm like, it just feels like they're trying to like do something different with the Batman stuff. Yeah. Which I quite like. Um, so I'm kind of playing that at the moment. I'm quite happy just to go through that, I think, now, as my current game. And all the next-gen consoles are coming out soon, and I'm not getting any of them, which is the <laughs> first time I've ever done it. I'm probably, you know, it's probably been the first console launch where I've been like, I could probably like buy a console and not have to cry about how much it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost me um, or whatever. And this time I've just decided... I just can't be bothered. Like they've upped, the only thing I really want to play is Demon Souls on PS5, but they've upped the game prices to like $70. So it'd probably be like 60 quid. Unbelievable. And it comes out and I'm like, I don't want to pay that. I've just paid 500 quid for a console. I'll pay another 60 quid or whatever. Um, Terrible. Yeah, I think I've I'm just bought a new console. Bit. Go on, what was it? Well, I got it for my birthday. Oh, yeah. Got a Sega Mega Drive Mini. Yes. Get yourself one of those instead. Dan, I have. It's part of my it's part oh. of my console mini collection here. Oh, with awesome! My, <laughs> with my SNES and PlayStation, um, yeah, I got the Mega Drive one, but it's still it's still boxed because I've just got um, nowhere to put it. Basically, I've kind of I've got all these little these little mini consoles, which I, I'm not. I won't bring it over. Um, but yeah, I was really I'm fucking a, excited. I'm really pleased with it because um, my mate brought the NES and the SNES ones round. Yeah when it came out. And I thought there were some okay games, but there were a lot of games missing. But the Sega one, they really seem to have made an effort to include some really like top flight games. Mm. And my two all-time favorite games are on here. So I've already been playing those quite a lot. Toe Jam and Earl. One and, and two. <laughs> oh, Altered Beast is, in, is probably my third favorite game. No, it's Mega Drive. Is it Mega Drive? All right. I bloody love that Altered Beast. But I like uh, Streets of Rage 2 a yes. little bit more. Yeah, she's always, she's amazing. So, yeah. um, funny enough, a little bit of, you know, a backstory, a little bit on the Sega Mini is, so when the minis started happening, the first one was the NES Mini that was talked about, got launched, sold out immediately. Yeah. And then not long after, there was the Mega Drive Mini actually got released. But what happened is that Sega had given the license to someone yeah. else to make it and they'd put on a bunch of Mega Drive games or whatever, but they'd also like added on like plus 150 other games and they just yeah. stuck on a bunch of shitty, like crappy third party games no one ever heard of just to kind of bulk it out a little bit. And everyone was like, oh, this plays terribly. Like, why is it? And all the controls are weird or whatever. Um, and then Sega basically, they put their name on this thing and then they basically were like, oh, okay, we're going to bring out a proper one later. <laughs> Yeah. which is what they did which is the one i'm guessing that you've um that you've got yeah, actually, yeah. you can get now i think um but yeah it's quite funny how like uh yeah nez did it like 
did it well. Like Nintendo did it like a quite high quality. And then Sega was suddenly were just like, oh, I just released something. And they're like, oh, fuck, they, hate they hate it. <laughs> Quick, bring it back. <laughs> we need to do it properly. Um, but I just love how like cute they look basically. Um, so yeah. The detail wanna, is brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, I want to kind of get a, um, so I'm kind of hoping to get a garden studio basically set up. And then what I'm going to try and do is put these little like, mini console things like a little collection on a little shelf hooked up so that yeah you can kind of like just have some retro fucking action these tiny little consoles um but yeah uh it's a good definitely a good purchase there's a lot there that you can do yeah do stuff with i'm excited to play some of these games that i you know i remember seeing them but never played them yeah they still stand up like and there's i watched um Ages ago, there's a retro gaming um, TV series on Netflix that came up quite recently. And the company that made it actually got shut down. So I think it'll probably be the only series. Um, huh. But it was quite like they kind of go go over the same stuff that a lot of these gaming documentaries go over, but they did it in a more stylized way, which made it a bit more entertaining to watch, especially to Joe Public, who hadn't seen any of it. But they do talk about how um, the 16 bit era, and especially like the Mega Drive stuff, like still stands up like that. Like people can talk about the original NES, but 16 bit, especially like the Mega Drive stuff where it started getting a bit more, they wanted to go for the more adult thing is I think the earliest you can kind of go back to and still really love a game. If that makes sense. It's like, you know, people say like, Oh, Pong or whatever. Like, you know, people still love playing that and it still stands up. It's like, yeah, but I think like when people talk retro, the earliest that people can kind of deal with and enjoy and appreciate is like the 16, 16 bit, like the Mega Drive, um, the Mega Drive stuff. Uh, because that was that was like, yeah, we're not just dealing with these fucking huge fat pixels. We've got bright, you know, wide color gamut to a degree. Um, characters. And the music. Yeah, exactly. So it's all starting to like come together at that point. Um, I think that is part of why I love Streets of Rage 2 and Toe Jam and L so much. Both of those soundtracks are amazing. I've got Streets of Rage 2 on vinyl. Really? I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for that record label to do the right thing about a Toe Jam and L. Yeah, they should do actually. I mean, I like Toe Jam and L too. I know that's uh, quite controversial. I'm quite happy for you to put some of those up on the list, by the way, for us to go through. Because I've got it as well, so we can do it. I'm quite happy to have. just think knock I it have. out because they're quite short. For as some well. reason, for some reason, they always land on your games. <laughs> oh, that's the. Uh, well, to be honest, I feel like we haven't done many gaming ones. I know we keep the scourge about of the randomizer. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's that's it really for me. Yeah, I, I think, think that's it for I, me. I think I've done any it. other thing other than uh, sleep, work, and wank. Uh, well, that's the top three. Um, that's all you need to do. Well, this is going to be a minisode, but it actually turned into like quite a nice hour-long chat for anyone that's listening. It's a fatisode. Yeah, exactly. It's a max, maxi, maxisode. It's going to quite, it almost sounds like a tampon <laughs> then or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, uh, so now, um, <laughs> well, no, no one's <laughs> going to be aware of this, but now we're going to talk about um, this week's episode, which will be Morons from Outer Space which you'll be able to listen to on uh, the Sunday. Um, so, yeah, we yeah. Get, come back and listen to... Get dressed up, space. put on your Sunday best. Exactly. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to delve into this ridiculous movie um, that I had never heard of until Dan had Cinematic it classic. Mm, to be debated. Um, and, yeah, so as always... <laughs> You can go to newwinter.net and check out our other podcasts there because we're part of the New Winter Podcast Network. You can email us at either oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com, both of which we have a look at. Instagram, a new winter, uh, Twitter, a new winter. Uh, you can check out all the stuff about this show and other shows there. And Dan, where can people find you? On Instagram and YouTube under Dreadful Dan's Discs. Discs. Um, Discs. <laughs> oh, sorry, discs. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it, guys. Uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.
guys, thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.